Mobile Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Doug Krisner in New York, 47 past the hour. Let's get you caught up on market action. Was a day for a lot of tech weakness, pulling the NASDAQ composite down about 1.5%, and now the NASDAQ composite is off about 2.7% from its record close in early June. There was a bright spot. Financials were higher. The uh, S&P Financials Index picked up about uh, six-tenths of one percent. This is after the banks passed those uh, stress tests, or at least the second part, and were okayed not only to increase dividends but to buy back stock as well. Now, the S&P 500 was down about uh, nine-tenths of one percent. We had weakness in the Dow. It was off about eight-tenths of one percent. Some news after the bell. Nike delivered uh, stronger-than-estimated earnings, 60 cents. That was a dime above forecast revenue beat. Uh, Stock is trading up by about three percent in late trading. But look at the weakness in Rite Aid. The stock was clobbered today, down more than 26 percent. This is after Walgreens Boots Alliance scrapped plans to take over all of Rite Aid. Walgreens will instead buy a smaller piece and only spend about $5 billion in the process. U.S. 10-year Treasury backing up in yield just a bit, about four basis points, last quoted in New York at a yield of 2.26. Crude oil fluctuated for most of the day, right around $45 a barrel. We had the inventories numbers uh, for gasoline showing a surprising drop in gasoline stockpiles. WTI right now in the electronics session, 4487 you're caught up on markets. Let's get back to Bloomberg Markets and Carol Masser. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. All right, everybody, you are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Masser, my co-host, Corey Johnson, is off uh, today. Uh, he was out with a note earlier this week talking about low rates fueling high asset prices and destabilizing bubbles. Back with us is Scott Minard, Global Chief Investment Officer, Guggenheim Partners, $250 billion. In assets? 260, I don't know. Keeps changing. It's a lot of billions, I'm just going to say. Um, and with everything going on in the world, we were actually talking about our dogs. I know. The best part of life. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Talk to me about the markets. Um, low rates, low rates, low rates. What are we leading to? What, what, what is this going to lead us to? Well, I mean, in time, you know, as rates stay low and everybody keeps seeking some alternative form of investment that's going to give them a higher return and they drift into risk assets like you know, junk bonds and uh, bank loans and stocks. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we're getting we're getting complacent. We're getting careless, and so you know we're, we're becoming more and more vulnerable to some sort of shock or surprise. And, and eventually, you know, some event will occur that'll come at us out of the blue, and we'll realize that that the entire you know, risk asset market, if you will, is not priced for, uh, you know, to absorb any sort of bad news. And I, I think we're very close to that now. It's fascinating. There's a story in uh, Bloomberg Business Week this week that basically talks about someone who lived through the Asian financial crisis. And they said, we know what leads to financial crises, you know, in terms of people taking on more debt and leveraging and so on and so forth. And, and every time we're getting to that spot, people say, no, 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 no. It, it, it's really okay. It's really okay. Are we getting to that point? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that, uh, you know, we did some work internally. <clears throat> and we looked at uh, market capitalization for the entire stock market relative to GDP. And we found that where we are today, that the expected return for stocks over the next five years is zero. On a historical basis. Okay. So, okay, you're really, you you don't have a lot of margin for error here. You're not getting compensated very well. Right. But, you know, we've been in these periods before, like the time you mentioned back in 1997, Mm -hmm. when, uh, you know, 
uh, Alan Greenspan called it irrational exuberance. Mm-hmm. And uh, but valuations continue to get more stretched. And uh, as um, uh, Hyman Minsky, the economist, pointed out that that the last wave of a bull market is the Ponzi wave. So it doesn't have to make sense anymore. But you you're investing because you think somebody's going to pay you a higher price in the future. And the Ponzi wave can be. You know, pretty exciting and, and give you some good returns, but maybe too exciting. I like your caution and I tend to be cautious. I don't like when there's a lot of complacency. Yet I feel like this has been a market that yes, the trend has been significantly and, and, and consistently higher, I guess is the right way to say it. But I feel like it's really not a loved market move to the upside. No, you're right. But you know, that's exactly what, the, you know, they say about bull markets, right? They call, they climb the wall of worry. And, you know, there is, there is a lot of worry out there. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot of complacency. And so, you know, I, I don't think we're, I don't think we've come to the end of the bull market, but I do think like 1997, 1998, like the Asian crisis, that valuations are full, that if we were to have some event occur that we hadn't anticipated, right. that we could have a pretty severe uh, backup. But then again, central banks around the world, aren't going to let it get too far out of hand no. because they're they're committed to keeping this thing going. And so, you know, I, I think that the Asian crisis is a good uh, analogy for, for the type of place we're at today. Well, speaking of the Asian financial crisis, this story in Business Week also then alludes back to, okay, talks about the financial meltdown and our crisis here in the United States and then what became a global meltdown, but then points to China. Right. Is China the big thing that could maybe make everything come undone? You know, I, I really don't think so. I was, you I was, don't. no, I, I actually was with Ray Dalio today. Yeah. And we were going through this. Together. Name dropper, you. Know, exactly. <laughs> As opposed to Dick, <laughs> Jim Chanos, who also is a China guy. But Ray, um, uh, was talking about, uh, you know, as, as technocrats, the Chinese are pretty good, and they know this problem exists. And yeah. so, you know, they've got a lot of tools in their toolkit, and and I think they'll find a way to muddle through. But but the thing that personally my uh, boogeyman that I don't think people are focused on is, you know, the the Federal Reserve gave us an elaborate plan to reduce the size of their balance sheet at the last meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the market took it well. I mean, didn't respond to it at all. Matter of fact, it rallied. <laughs> but, but what we saw two days ago was Mario Draghi hinted at the idea that it would happen at some point, right. and the market didn't take it very well. Right. So I think that if we actually get to the moment somewhere here in the next six months where you know another central bank in the world starts to talk about tapering its asset purchases, that the market is not priced for that, and, and I think that is the, the sort of catalyst that could cause a, a sell-off in risk assets. See, and I keep thinking, uh, maybe I'm just not thinking about it the right way, but I just, you know, you want central bank policy, global central bank policy to get back to normal like this has been abnormal for 10 years right it's crazy when i think about 10 years right do we not it is it is but you know let's you're right i agree with you 100 percent. but you know there are a couple of things i think uh, takeaways to think about um when you go back into the 1950s the 1960s we had a period of almost 24 years 
where interest rates on the 10-year note stayed below 3%. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you look at the long history of interest rates in the United States, a a rate of about 2.5% is is actually fairly normal. Pretty normal, normal, right? right? Yeah. So I think we uh, are being affected by the experience we've had in our lifetimes where rates were higher on average, and the financial crisis came along. Um, The other thing was when I was at the Federal Reserve today, I'm on the – uh, the market advisory committee for the Fed. One of the points I made was, <clears throat> you know, isn't it amazing that we're sitting here today after all the money printing that's gone on in the world through quantitative easing and inflation is still only one and a half percent. I mean, it's telling us that, well, that, that these are pretty strong deflationary headwinds and, uh, you know, that, that maybe they haven't done as bad a job as we think. But the problem is not that they've done such a bad job, but they've set a level of expectation that in the long run may not be maintainable. So how do we get out of it? We've got 30 seconds. <clears throat> I think uh, we're going to have to take the pain at some point and we're going to have to take – we're going to have to live with a recession. Uh, but I think that uh, we're not there yet. We're not – policymakers aren't ready to do it and, and we don't have the excesses, the crazy kind of bubble excesses we've had before. And, and when that happens, then we'll, we'll have the moment of pain. So a different kind of bubble? Uh, there's always a different bubble. <laughs> Man, let's go back to talking about our dogs. Oh, it's a much better life here. <laughs> Scott Minard, fun to have you back. Great, Carol. Thanks for having me. Scott Minard, Global Chief Investment Officer, Guggenheim Partners, $250, $260 billion in assets under management. His guys are saying it's higher. Based in Santa Monica, California. Lucky for us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio in New York. You've been listening to Bloomberg Markets. Coming up on the other side of the break, a look at some of the news after the closing bell. Carol Masser in New York, and this is Bloomberg. <laughs> 